Section thirty three of The Natural History, Volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Natural History, Volume four, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section thirty three. Book twenty. Remedies derived from the garden plants. Chapter one. Introduction. We are now about to enter upon an examination of the greatest of all the operations of nature. We are about to discourse to man upon his ailments, and to compel him to admit that he is ignorant by what means he exists. And let no one, misled by the apparent triviality of the names which we shall have to employ, regard this subject as one that is frivolous or contemptible, for we shall here have to set forth the state of peace or of war which exists between the various departments of nature the hatreds or friendships which are maintained by objects dumb and destitute of sense and all too created a wonderful subject for our contemplation for the sake of man alone to these states known to the greeks by the respective appellations sympathia and antipathia we are indebted for the first principles of all things for hence it is that water has the property of extinguishing fire that the sun absorbs water that the moon produces it and that each of these heavenly bodies is from time to time eclipsed by the other hence it is too descending from the contemplation of a loftier sphere that the lodestone possesses the property of attracting iron and another stone again that of repelling it and that the diamond that pride of luxury and opulence though infrangible by every other object and presenting a resistance that cannot be overcome is broken asunder by a he-goat's blood in addition to numerous other marvels of which we shall have to speak on more appropriate occasions equal to this or still more wonderful even my only request is that pardon may be accorded me for beginning with objects of a more humble nature though still so greatly conductive to our health I mean the garden plants, of which I shall now proceed to speak. CHAPTER Two, THE WILD CUCUMBER Twenty-six REMEDIES We have already stated that there is a wild cucumber, considerably smaller than the cultivated one. From this cucumber the medicant known as elaterium is prepared, being the juice extracted from the seed. To obtain this juice the fruit is cut before it is ripe. Indeed, if this precaution is not taken at an early period, the seed is apt to spirt out and be productive of danger to the eyes. After it is gathered, the fruit is kept for a whole night, and then on the following day an incision is made in it with a reed. The seed, too, is generally sprinkled with ashes, with the view of retaining in it as large a quantity of the juice as possible. When the juice is extracted, it is received in rainwater, where it falls to the bottom, after which it is thickened in the sun, and then divided into lozenges, which are of singular utility to mankind for healing dimness of sight, diseases of the eyes, and ulcerations of the eyelids. It is said that if the roots of a vine are touched with this juice, the grapes of it will be sure never to be attacked by birds. The root, too, of the wild cucumber, boiled in vinegar, is employed in fermentations for the gout, and the juice of it is used as a remedy for toothache. Dried and mixed with resin, the root is a cure for 
impetigo, and the skin diseases known as sora and lichen. It is good, too, for imposthumus of the parotid glands and inflammatory tumors, and restores the natural color to the skin when a cicatrix has formed. The juice of the leaves, mixed with vinegar, is used as an injection for the ears in cases of deafness. Chapter 3. Elaterium, 27 Remedies. The proper season for making elaterium is the autumn, and there is no medicament known that will keep longer than this. It begins to be fit for use when three years old, but if it is found desirable to make use of it at an earlier period than this, the acidity of the lozenges may be modified by putting them with vinegar upon a slow fire in a new earthen pot. The older it is the better, and before now, as we learn from Theophrastus, it has been known to keep so long as two hundred years. Even after it has been kept so long as fifty years, it retains its property of extinguishing a light. Indeed, it is the proper way of testing the genuineness of the drug to hold it to the flame and to make it scintillate above and below before finally extinguishing it. The elaterium, which is pale, smooth, and slightly bitter, is superior to that which has a grass-green appearance and is rough to the touch. It is generally thought that the seed of this plant will facilitate conception if a woman carries it attached to her person before it has touched the ground, and that it has the effect of aiding parturition if it is first wrapped in ram's wool and then tied round the woman's loins without her knowing it, care being taken to carry it out of the house the instant she is delivered. Those persons who magnify the praises of the wild cucumber say that the very best is that of Arabia, the next being that of Arcadia, and then that of Cyrene. It bears a resemblance to the heliotropium, they say, and the fruit, about the size of a walnut, grows between the leaves and branches. The seed, it is said, is very similar in appearance to the tail of a scorpion thrown back, but it is of a whitish hue. Indeed, there are some persons who give to this cucumber the name of scorpionium, and say that its seed, as well as the elaterium, is remarkably efficacious as a cure for the sting of the scorpion. As a purgative, the proper dose of either is from half an obolus to an obolus, according to the strength of the patient, a larger dose than this being fatal. It is in the same proportions, too, that it is taken in drink for theriasis and dropsy. Applied externally with honey or old olive oil, it is used for the cure of quinsy and affectations of the trachea. Chapter 4. The Anguine, or Erratic Cucumber, Five Remedies. Many authors are of the opinion that the wild cucumber is identical with the plant known among us as the anguine, and by some persons as the erratic cucumber. Objects sprinkled with a decoction of this plant will never be touched by mice. The same authors say, too, that a decoction of it in vinegar, externally applied, gives instantaneous relief in cases of gout and diseases of the joints. As a remedy, too, for lumbago, the seed of it is dried in the sun and pounded, being given in doses of twenty denarii to half a sextarius of water. Mixed with woman's milk and applied as a liniment, it is a cure for tumors which have suddenly formed. Elaterium promotes the menstrual discharge, 
but if taken by females when pregnant it is productive of abortion it is good also for asthma and injected into the nostrils for the jaundice rubbed upon the face in the sun it removes freckles and spots upon the skin chapter five the cultivated cucumber nine remedies many persons attribute all these properties to the cultivated cucumber as well a plant which even without them would be of very considerable importance in a medicinal point of view a pinch of the seed for instance in three fingers beaten up with cumin and taken in wine is extremely beneficial for a cough for phrenitis also doses of it are administered in woman's milk and doses of one acetabulum for dysentery as a remedy for purient expectorations it is taken with an equal quantity of cumin and it is used with hydromel for diseases of the liver taken in sweet wine it is a diuretic and in combination with cumin it is used as an injection for affections of the kidneys chapter six pepones eleven remedies the fruit known as pepones are a cool and refreshing diet and are slightly relaxing to the stomach applications are used of the pulpy flesh in defluxions or pains of the eyes the root too of this plant cures the hard ulcers known to us as syria from their resemblance to a honeycomb and it acts as an emetic dried and reduced to a powder it is given in doses of four oblii in hydromel the patient immediately after taking it being made to walk half a mile this powder is employed also in cosmetics for smoothing the skin the rind too has the effect of promoting vomiting and when applied to the face of clearing the skin a result which is equally produced by an external application of the leaves of all the cultivated cucumbers these leaves mixed with honey are employed for the cure of the postules known as epinictus steeped in wine they are good too for the bites of dogs and of multipedes insects known to the greeks by the name of seps of an elongated form with hairy legs and noxious to cattle more particularly the sting being followed by a swelling and the wound rapidly putrefying the smell of the cucumber itself is a restorative in fainting fits it is a well-known fact that if cucumbers are peeled and then boiled in oil vinegar and honey they are all the more pleasant eating for it chapter seven the gourd seventeen remedies the somphus one remedy there is found also a wild gourd called somphos by the greeks empty within to which circumstance it owes its name and long and thick in shape like the finger it grows nowhere except upon stony spots the juice of this gourd when chewed is very beneficial to the stomach chapter eight the colocynthus ten remedies there is another variety of the wild gourd known as the colocynthus this kind is full of seeds but not so large as the cultivated one the pale colocynthus is better than those of a grass green color employed by itself when dried it acts as a very powerful purgative used as an injection it is a remedy for all diseases of the intestines the kidneys and the loins as well as for paralysis the seed being first removed it is boiled down in hydromel to one half after which it is used as an injection with perfect safety in doses of four oblii it is good too for the stomach taken in pills composed of the dried powder and boiled honey 
in jaundice seven seeds of it may be taken with beneficial effects with a draught of hydromel immediately after the pulp of this fruit taken with wormwood and salt is a remedy for toothache and the juice of it warmed with vinegar has the effect of strengthening loose teeth rubbed in with oil it removes pains of the spine loins and hips in addition to which really a marvelous thing to speak of the seeds of it in even numbers attached to the body in a linen cloth will cure it is said the fevers to which the greeks have given the name of periodic the juice too of the cultivated gourd shred in pieces applied warm is good for earache and the flesh of the inside used without the seed for corns on the feet and the superations known to the greeks as apostomata when the pulp and seeds are boiled together the decoction is good for strengthening loose teeth and for preventing toothache wine too boiled with this plant is curative of defluxions of the eyes the leaves of it bruised with fresh cypress leaves or the leaves alone boiled in a vessel of potter's clay and beaten up with goose grease and then applied to the part affected are an excellent cure for wounds fresh shavings of the rind are used as a cooling application for gout and burning pains in the head in infants more particularly they are good too for erysipelas whether it is shavings of the rind or the seeds of the plant that are applied to the part affected the juice of the scrapings employed as a liniment with rose water and vinegar moderates the burning heats of fevers and the ashes of the dried fruit applied to burns are efficacious in a most remarkable degree chrysippus the physician condemned the use of the gourd as a food it is generally agreed however that it is extremely good for the stomach and for ulcerations of the intestines and of the bladder chapter nine rape nine remedies rape too has its medicinal properties warmed it is used as an application for the cure of chilblains in addition to which it has the effect of protecting the feet from cold a hot decoction of rape is employed for the cure of cold gout and raw rape beaten up with salt is good for all maladies of the feet rape seed used as liniment and taken in drink with wine is said to have a salutary effect against the stings of serpents and various narcotic poisons and there are many persons who attribute to it the properties of an antidote when taken with wine and oil democritus has entirely repudiated the use of rape as an article of food in consequence of the flatulence which it produces while diocles on the other hand has greatly extolled it and has even gone so far as to say that it acts as an aphrodisiac dionysius too says the same of rape and more particularly if it is seasoned with rocket he adds also that roasted and then applied with grease it is excellent for pains in the joints chapter ten wild rape one remedy wild rape is mostly found growing in the fields it has a tufted top with a white seed twice as long as that of the poppy this plant is often employed for smoothing the skin of the face and the body generally meal of fitches barley wheat and lupines being mixed with it in equal proportions the root of the wild rape is applied to no useful purpose whatever chapter eleven turnips those known as bunion and bunnius five remedies the greeks distinguished two kinds of turnips 
also as employed in medicine the turnip with angular stalks and a flower like that of anise and known by them as bunion is good for promoting the menstrual discharge in females and for affections of the bladder it acts also as a diuretic for these purposes a decoction of it is taken with hydromel or else one drachma of the juice of the plant the seed parched and then beaten up and taken in warm water in doses of four siathi is a good remedy for dysentery it will stop the passage of the urine however if linseed is not taken with it the other kind of turnip is known by the name of binius and bears a considerable resemblance to the radish and the rape united the seed of it enjoying the reputation of being a remedy for poisons hence it is that we find it employed in antidotes chapter twelve the wild radish or armoracea one remedy we have already said that there is also a wild radish the most esteemed is that of arcadia though it is also found growing in other countries as well it is only efficacious as a diuretic being in other respects of a heating nature in italy it is also known by the name of armoracea chapter thirteen the cultivated radish forty three remedies the cultivated radish too in addition to what we have already said of it purges the stomach attenuates the phlegm acts as a diuretic and detaches the bilious secretions a decoction of the rind of radishes in wine taken in the morning in doses of three siathi has the effect of breaking and expelling calluculi of the bladder a decoction too of this rind in vinegar and water is employed as a liniment for the stings of serpents taken fasting in the morning with honey radishes are good for a cough parched radish seed as well as radishes themselves chewed is useful for pains in the sides a decoction of the leaves taken in drink or else the juice of the plant taken in doses of two siathi is an excellent remedy for thoriasis pounded radishes too are employed as liniment for inflammations under the skin and the rind mixed with honey for bruises of recent date lethargic persons are recommended to eat them as hot as possible and the seed parched and then pounded with honey will give relief to asthmatic patients radishes too are useful as a remedy for poisons and are employed to counteract the effects of the sting of the cerastes and the scorpion indeed after having rubbed the hands with radishes or radish seed we may handle those reptiles with impunity if a radish is placed upon a scorpion it will cause its death radishes are useful too in cases of poisoning by fungi or henbane and according to nicander they are salutary against the effects of bullock's blood when drunk the two physicians of the name of apollodorus prescribe radishes to be given in cases of poisoning by mistletoe but whereas apollodorus of citium recommends radish seed pounded in water apollodorus of tartentum speaks of the juice radishes diminish the volume of the spleen and are beneficial for maladies of the liver and pains in the loins taken too with vinegar or mustard they are good for dropsy and lethargy as well as epilepsy and melancholy praxagoras recommends that radishes should be given for the iliac passion and plistinicus for the celiac disease 
Radishes are good, too, for curing ulcerations of the intestines and suppurations of the thoracic organs, if eaten with honey. Some persons say, however, that for this purpose they should be boiled in earth and water, a decoction which, according to them, promotes the menstrual discharge. Taken with vinegar or honey, radishes expel worms from the intestines, and a decoction of them boiled down to one-third taken in wine is good for intestinal hernia. Employed in this way, too, they have the effect of drawing off the superfluous blood. Medius recommends them to be given boiled to persons troubled with spitting of blood, and to women who are suckling, for the purpose of increasing the milk. Hippocrates recommends females whose hair falls off to rub the head with radishes, and he says that for pains of the uterus they should be applied to the navel. Radishes have the effect, too, of restoring the skin, when scarred, to its proper color, and the seed, steeped in water and applied topically, arrests the progress of ulcers known as phagedanic. Democritus regards them, taken with the food, as an aphrodisiac, and it is for this reason, perhaps, that some persons have spoken of them as being injurious to the voice. The leaves, but only those of the long radish, are said to have the effect of improving the eyesight. When radishes, employed as a remedy, act too powerfully, it is recommended that hyssop should be given immediately, there being an antipathy between these two plants. For dullness of hearing, too, radish juice is injected into the ear. To promote vomiting, it is extremely beneficial to eat radishes fasting. Chapter 14. The Parsnip, Five Remedies. The Hibiscum, Wild Mallow, or Fistolochia, Eleven Remedies. The hibiscum, by some persons known as the wild mallow, and by others as the flistolochia, bears a strong resemblance to the parsnip. It is good for ulcerations of the cartilages, and is employed for the cure of fractured bones. The leaves of it taken in water relax the stomach. They have the effect, also, of keeping away serpents, and, employed as a liniment, are a cure for the stings of bees, wasps, and hornets. The root, pulled up before sunrise and wrapped in wool of the color known as native, taken from a sheep which has just dropped a ewe lamb, is employed as a bandage for scrofulous swellings, even after they have superated. Some persons are of opinion that for this purpose the root should be dug up with an implement of gold, and that care should be taken not to let it touch the ground. Celis, too, recommends that the root be boiled in wine and applied in cases of gout unattended with swelling. End of section 33